0: plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: he said seaman recruit Gonzalez. where are you from and immediately I'm thinking I'm about to relive a scene from that movie an officer and a gentleman now if you don't know that movie you should know by now just look it up Gonzo
0: the Coast Guardiers boot camp episode 9 range day and the
1: wolf pack We were finishing up week six. I don't recall if it was Friday or Saturday, but we were headed for our first break from the boot camp routine, On Base Liberty. This did entail another inspection, but this time it was being done by the TDO, or the Training Duty Officer, for those of you who may have forgotten. And much to my chagrin, the Training Duty Officer that weekend was the BM-1 from the Evening of Hell that I also like to call fun with Gonzo. We were all standing at attention facing Healy Hall as the BM-1 started his inspection before we were dismissed. As he's doing the inspection, he's telling the rules of on-base liberty and whatnot. I was pretty sure I was in deep shit when he got to me. I was sure he was going to tell me I couldn't go on liberty. He was in my row and he wasn't saying much of anything at this point. I think he had finished going over most of the rules. Um, Most of it, which I didn't even hear because like most of my time in boot camp, I really wasn't paying attention to much. My mind was always wandering somewhere else. And in this case, well, I was thinking I was pretty much fucked. He was just a few recruits away from me. And being as it was November in Cape May, it was a little chilly outside. But I know I was starting to sweat. He finally makes his way to me. I'm not entirely sure I remember what he said, but I do remember him asking in a very loud voice, loud enough that the entire company could hear him, he said, Seaman Recruit Gonzalez, where are you from? And immediately I'm thinking, I'm about to relive a scene from that movie, An Officer and a Gentleman. Now, if you don't know that movie, you should know by now, just look it up. I yell out, Sir, Virginia, sir! And he laughed. The effing company commander laughed. And just replied, how the hell did you end up in Virginia? And he walked away. I don't remember if he said anything. But he just walked away, went on to the next person. He never actually did any inspection of me. He just walked away. He did finish up the rest of the inspection. He had a few more rules, you know, reiterating, you know, about how we're supposed to behave, and then we were dismissed. I'm not sure I actually knew what I was going to be doing at this point. I know Bowser, Morrissey, Mr. Nicaragua, and Rafa and I sort of huddled together and just wandered off. A few members of our company actually went over to the base exchange. The base exchange is basically... The base exchange is basically, that sounds a little redundant. But anyway, the base exchange is a place, it's kind of like a little mini department store or uh, maybe a little grocery store, a convenience store, just depends on where you are. You essentially can buy most of what you need at reduced costs because the military personnel really don't get paid all that much. One of the things you can get there, of course, is junk food. So we did buy some junk food. We bought some sodas and stuff like that. Something to, you know, just a break from our routine. We eventually found our way over to a, like a covered area, like a little pavilion uh, that has some picnic tables. And we just sat there eating our junk food, hanging out, talking about stuff, nothing in particular, just sort of normal, sort of we're almost out of boot camp kind of talk. For all you former Coasties out there or current Coasties who are at Cape May, you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. So clearly it was not actually an exciting conversation Although there was one little nugget of conversation that ended up being sort of interesting. One of the female recruits in our company, she was actually our company yeoman. I had no idea what a yeoman was, but basically she handled a bunch of the company administrative stuff. She was also the person that would tally up at the end of the day who had how many demerits and who was going to IT that night. I mean, by this point, we had gotten to know each other pretty well, or she at least knew who I was um, because she saw me um, just about every night checking in, telling her I was heading to IT. So this yeoman, or recruit yeoman, she found me along with the rest of the gang on the picnic tables and wanted to tell me what had happened just before the BM-1 came out to do the inspection. You see, she had been up on the second floor and overheard a conversation between the BM-1 And our company commander, the conversation, as you can imagine, was about me. And it went kind of like this. She said the BM-1 wanted to know if he should get in my face and give me shit or something to that effect. Apparently, our company commander told him that I was in fact a good recruit. I just messed up and I didn't need any additional attention. You know, it was good to know that my company commander didn't have it out for me any longer. It was still kind of crappy, though, that other CCs were at least considering making my remaining week and a half or two weeks in boot camp miserable. But I was happy in general to hear that things were a little better than they were before. It was also nice to talk to her because if I remember correctly, she was pretty cute. Yeah, yeah, she was cute. We didn't actually talk much at all. I mean, we hardly ever talked. That was the longest conversation we had ever had. And like everybody else, they don't remember her name, but she was the bearer of good news. The next week in boot camp is where things started to get super easy and serious all at the same time. We were told we would be graduating from boot camp a few days early. Graduation is normally on a Friday, but we would be graduating on a Wednesday because the next day was Thanksgiving. I'll admit, It was really a great gesture on the part of the boot camp peeps in charge. We still had a few things to accomplish. A few last runs at medical and dental, going to the range and whatnot. I think it was two days at the range for us. During week seven, a few things happened. I'm pretty sure that they happened the very last part of week seven, just before our off-base liberty. First off, to the range. The first day at the range was M16 day. We were given a crazy amount of safety instructions and told about all the horrible things that would happen to us if we failed to follow the safety rules and if we didn't follow the instructions that were given by, well, the range instructors. At this point in my life, I had hardly ever fired a weapon, much less an M16. I mean, I did fire a shoulder weapon a few times. Uh, courtesy of a friend of mine that I've known since like elementary school. We would go squirrel hunting together. Some days we would just go shooting in the woods um, when hunting just didn't seem like it was something we wanted to do that day. So yeah, that was about it. Not a lot of exposure, but it was something. I mean, something was better than nothing, right? Although shooting an M16 was a whole different thing. For starters, a few things I didn't know about an M16, but they did have a direct impact on me. On an M16, the empty case that ejects, ejects to the right. So if you held your M16 on the right shoulder and fired, you were in good shape. I'm right-handed, but I have a bit of an issue. You see, I shoot shoulder weapons from my left shoulder, not my right shoulder. Why? Well, because when I was learning to shoot, or just growing up, I always sighted with my left eye, not my right It's not that I'm a cross-dominant shooter. I just don't know how to close my left eye and keep the right eye open. So I'm not sure how that classifies me as far as, you know, eye dominance problem. But clearly I have a problem. I shoot from the left shoulder, as I said, which means the empty case ejects right across my field of view, which really was a pain in the ass. So they stuck me and the other left-hand shooters at the end of the firing line, away from everybody else, all the right-handed shooters, because we were weird. And if all that wasn't bad enough, they would take the shoulder strap from that M16 and they would place it over your forearm, up your bicep, and into your armpit on your non-shooting arm. So they would put it on my right arm, up into my right armpit. They, so they made a loop out of the strap of that shoulder strap. And they slid it up there. So when you were in the prone position and basically, I mean, lying down and pointing your weapon downrange, you would use your opposite arm, in this case, my right arm, as a stabilizer as you shot. The problem with all this mess is that it wasn't clear what they were trying to do or what the goal was behind doing that. So while I was shooting, I was basically fighting the whole feeling because it just felt really horrible and weird. So I wasn't actually able to take advantage of the whole situation. And by situation, I mean my whole fucking arm went numb. Apparently, that was supposed to happen. But these rocket scientists didn't bother to tell anyone that. We were just told to stop complaining and just shoot. If I'm being honest here, there was a whole shit ton of arrogance and elitism within the uh, range instructor uh, group. I'm pretty sure most of them were gunner's mates, if not all of them were gunner's mates. Let's face it, they were all gun nuts. I don't mean that this was a derogatory thing about them. They did love their guns. Although, these gunner's mates were a sorry fucking lot. Or one might refer to them as a bunch of dankish, dog-hearted clot bulls. However, they were kind enough to give us hearing protection and shooting glasses. They did do lots of yelling. I mean, I suppose that made sense because we had these big ass things on our head covering our ears, so I guess yelling was what you had to do to, to talk to us. The range instructors would come by and attempt to sight in our sights of our M sixteens, but since I didn't know what they were actually trying to accomplish, I totally sucked at it. I could still not shoot straight or very straight. I did wind up qualifying. I was pretty impressed by that. I got marksman. Woohoo! Marksman sounded kind of cool, great in fact, until I learned that there were two levels above me or above that sharpshooter and expert. I wasn't a sharpshooter, I wasn't an expert, I was a marksman, but that was awesome. At least for me, it was awesome. I feel like the day we qualified on M16, it might have been a Thursday, and um, a few things unexpected happened that entire day and the next day. After M16 day, I recall having to go to medical or actually that day, the day we finished up our M16 um, qualification, I had to go to medical or could have been dental. Now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure it was dental. I don't know why I went by myself, but I went by myself. I kind of sort of vaguely recall that I went in for a checkup and they told me I had a cavity that needed filling. So apparently I wasn't brushing all that well in boot camp because they didn't say anything about a cavity when I had first gotten there, which was like seven weeks ago. Speaking of which, until recently, every dentist that I'd ever been to had the worst teeth and breath. I mean, I was really happy when they started wearing those doctor's masks over their face. I'm sure there was some real health reason for doing that, but I I don't care what that reason is really. I just don't have to see those rotten ass teeth on my dentist.
0: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt.
0: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare.
1: Why the hell do dentists and dental hygienists try to actually have real conversations with you when they know you can't actually respond? I mean, they've got their hands in your mouth. I'm sure this is some sort of twisted joke. I I just don't like being on the receiving end of that joke. Anyway, they told me I needed to come back to get that cavity filled the next day, which was fine by me. In the previous episode, I mentioned that I saw chief clicks at IT again but I wasn't attending IT itself. As a matter of fact, all of Victor Company marched right past all the other recruits that were there in Cape May at the time. I can only guess as to the real reason they were all out there, but I had it on good authority. I was the cause for all of it. And it all started when I left dental that morning. When you're in groups of less than three in Coast Guard Boot Camp and you are recruit, You're required to run everywhere you go, and running from dental back to the barracks was no exception to this rule. I had just spent the last two or three weeks at IT every night, and for the most part, I was a law-abiding recruit. To refresh your memories, there were a total of three barracks, or at least three that I was aware of in Coast Guard Boot Camp. There were two barracks on one side of the parade field, and one standalone on the opposite side of the parade field, directly across from Healy Hall. I don't remember the name of it, but it was where the Coast Guard Honor Guard recruits were, so I'll just refer to it as the Honor Hall. Next to Healy Hall was Monroe Hall. That's where the white belts and the black belts were all shacked up, and I think some other recent boot camp graduates uh, that were there at the training center for some other reason. Also, between Monroe Hall and Healy Hall, there was an alleyway that had two separate trailers. Those trailers were used for classrooms. As a recruit, you were never allowed to go between the buildings unless you were with your company and you were attending class in one of the trailers. This place was pretty much a no man's land for recruits. Which brings me back to my run from dental, back to Healy Hall. The dental building was across the street from Healy Hall. The back of Healy Hall actually faced that street. For a recruit to get back to Healy Hall from dental, you needed to run across the street. To the sidewalk on the other side, then make a right to run down the sidewalk to the next street and then turn left to run along the side of Healy Hall and eventually turn left to get to the front of the building. That was the official route for a recruit. That was the route you were ordered to take. As I ran across the road from Dental and made the right once I reached the sidewalk, I looked down the sidewalk and immediately became, well panic-stricken, at the end of the sidewalk, coming around the side of Healy Hall, were three, count them, three company commanders. Or at least, that's what I thought they were. One of the things that recruits talked about amongst ourselves was the dread we all shared about running into a wolf pack. A wolf pack was essentially three or more company commanders. Now, I didn't want to end up being wolf prey or wolf food. So, well, you didn't want to get caught by a wolf pack. And with IT still fresh in my head and the cranking I had endured at the hands of three company commanders before, I wasn't anxious to do it again. So, I did the unimaginable. In mid-run, I did a 180 and ran in the opposite direction. I'm sure I'd look like a cartoon character at that particular moment. I wouldn't even be surprised if I had left a cloud of dust or smoke behind me as I ran from the wolf pack. As quickly as I turned to run away, I could hear someone shouting behind me. I couldn't understand what they were saying, but I knew what they wanted. They wanted fresh meat, and I wasn't going to give them the satisfaction. I wasn't a deer caught in headlights. No, not at all. I was a deer that saw the light and said, fuck that and ran. But I still had to get back to Healy Hall. Only way to do that and avoid the company commanders was to cut through no man's land. Yeah, it was another stupid risky move. But at this point, I was committed. I couldn't turn back. I ran. I turned right in between Monroe Hall and Healy Hall, moving like the roadrunner. More, more likely like Wild E. Coyote. As I sprinted between the classrooms, I came to an abrupt halt. I had gone from panic-stricken to near terror. Walking towards me was another company commander. This particular company commander was actually an assistant company commander, or a company commander in training, I think. He was also an SS1, a subsistence specialist, which was a fancy way of saying he was a cook. Now, I think he was kind of a short guy, but he was a bodybuilding type of guy. I even think he was Italian, so I might refer to him as SS1 Spaghetti. I mean, he was Italian, or is Italian. As I stopped running, I slowly started walking and saluted him. Greeted him loudly. Sir, good morning, sir. He returned my salute, said good morning back, and told me to carry on. And carry on I did. I dropped my salute and kicked my ass in the turbo. Ran even faster if that was even possible. I came out between the two buildings, took a right onto the walkway that doubled as the track around the parade field. I sprinted up the stairs to the entrance of Healy Hall, ran up a couple flight of stairs to the second floor squad bay. I made it. I had escaped the wolf pack. I just needed to lay low and hope no one out there saw that it was me. I mean, other than the SS-1 spaghetti, I mean, nobody else saw me, right? Yeah. A few minutes after being in the squad bay, chatting with Bowser, Morrissey, Rafa, and Mr. Nicaragua, I didn't say anything to anybody about this. It was just normal sort of chit-chat. I heard the squad bay door open, and before anyone could yell attention on deck, our company commander was yelling at us to get down. So, while we're in the push-up position, I think I was already starting to sweat again. The chief bosun mate Ho was yelling at us about a fucking recruit that ran away from a group of company commanders, even after they ordered the recruit to stop. You have no idea what great news this was to me. They had no idea who ran away. They didn't know it was me. I just had to hope SS1 Spaghetti didn't hear about this or put two and two together or I was severely screwed. Our company commander cranked us for a few minutes I wasn't sure if he was actually trying to force someone to confess to it or perhaps have someone snitch. Nobody knew. I didn't say shit to anybody. The cranking was over pretty quickly, and it wasn't even something that uh, was all that severe or at least not something we weren't already accustomed to. We were near week seven's end. At this point, we were all feeling pretty invincible, so it wasn't that big of a deal. He held a bit more. He told us to get up. He left the squad bay. And it seemed as though the whole event was over. The wolves lost and the deer, or maybe me, the fox, had gotten away. Victor Company continued with our remaining training tasks for the day. One of which actually happened later that evening. Because we were leaving two days early, they were trying to cram more classrooms into one day than they normally would have. One of these classes ended sometime after 8 p.m., right after IT had started. It was already dark. We were in the third week of November, so it got dark early. But I had noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. As we were leaving the class and marching along the walkway uh, by the parade field, it looked as though the parade field was illuminated like for a nighttime football game. The parade field also had probably, or maybe I'm exaggerating or just remembering wrong, About 300 recruits all in the push-up position. I think that was all the recruits that were at Cape May at the time. It may not have been that many, but there was a lot. I could hear someone shouting from the other side of the parade field. They had like this pavilion and the shouting was being done through like one of those uh, bullhorns that you see on television with the cops are using or whatever. Victor Company and me, of course, looked to the source of the yelling And well, fuck, it was Chief Clicks yelling at the other recruits. My recollection's a little foggy, but from the screaming, I'm pretty sure he was mentioning something about a recruit who had disobeyed a direct order and had run away from other company commanders. The recruits were getting their asses kicked so bad, you could see the steam coming off of their bodies. I mean, the grass was wet that they were um, doing push-ups in. So uh, they were damp and the, the steam was coming up and bad. Clix was yelling something about that if the one recruit wouldn't come out and, um, you know, confess to the, the crimes, then everyone was going to pay for it. Well, not everyone was going to pay for it, especially not me. We marched into Healy Hall. We didn't look back at the other recruits that were outside on the parade field. We went through our normal evening routine. Got our uniforms prepped for the next day. Taps came. The lights went out. All was good. The next morning came. The same routine as normal. PT, breakfast, and preparing for day two at the range. We were all pretty excited. Not too long after breakfast, we were back in our squad bay. Someone yells, attention on deck! We all knew who it was. We could hear the taps on his shoes as he walked across the squad bay. God damn it. He was fucking Chief Clicks again. But he wasn't alone. The BM-1 was with him. They went up to our recruit commander, or RC. You know, he was this tall dude from the very beginning in episode one that was saying, come on, you gotta fess up whoever broke the toilet. This dude and I never got along in boot camp. I mean, he was the cause of me getting into trouble more than once. Well, he actually provoked a situation that I couldn't in good conscience walk away from. But that's a different story. I might do that as a bonus sort of episode, I think. I don't know. However, it seems as though all of his shitty behavior or the way he treated people all sort of came to a head right at that moment. The BM1 and Chief Clicks were interrogating him as to why Victor Company had not gone out enjoying the fun last night. Our R.C. went back and forth with him for a while, and I really think the company commanders were deliberately backing him into a corner. They were asking questions, making accusations, and before you knew it, I think he just got stupid and said something to them, because the next thing you know, they're yelling at him to get down in a push-up position. They cranked his ass while the rest of us watched. I'm not sure how everyone else felt about watching this spectacle but I can tell you without any reservation, I was happy to see it. I'm pretty sure I was even smiling, at least on the inside. I had escaped the wolf pack, I didn't get cranked, and I got to watch that asshole get cranked while the rest of us watched. It was great. It was awesome. He was a fucking charity.
0: You've been listening to Gonzo, the Coast Guard Ears, written and produced by Tom Gonzalez, and I'm Nicholas Gonzalez, the voice guy. Join us Monday for another episode of Gonzo, the Coast Guard Ears.